0: welcome to the littler international employment law podcast series conversations for the multinational employer on issues impacting their global business good day to our listeners Uh, this is johan Libber from littler Mendelssohn. i am the u.s chair of the international practice group and it is my pleasure today to lead this podcast on the topic of handling harassment allegations in europe critical do's and don'ts. The objective of this podcast is to give you an overview of the investigatory process in Europe and the extent to which it might differ from what we are used to here in the US. I'm joined here today by colleagues from our offices in Paris, Berlin, and London. And so we are going to give you a perspective out of those respective jurisdictions being France, Germany, and the UK. So to that end, it is my pleasure to introduce Sophie pellissier luvenbruck from our Paris office. Uh, Good day, Sophie. Good day, Johan. And also Julia Viol from our Berlin office. Hi, Julia.
1: Hi, Johan.
0: And Raoul Parek from our London office. Hi, Johan. Welcome to all three of you. So to start off our conversation, let's ask as as a high-level overview, what is the first thing? an employer should do when an employee located at one of its facilities in Europe submits an internal complaint of harassment. Rule in London? Yeah, and I think the first thing that needs to happen is
2: to assess the seriousness of the complaint and consider whether immediate steps need to be taken to prevent contact between the accuser and the accused. In particular, if the allegations are very serious, maybe even nearly criminal. It might be appropriate to suspend the accused, but that carries risks too. So you need to step back and decide what the best thing to do is as an HR and legal team.
0: And in Germany?
1: No, I agree. The first thing that you should do is take the allegation serious. And I recommend to first talk to the complaining employee and just trying to get all the facts that are behind the allegations.
0: And in France?
3: In France, given the safety obligation of result for the employer, the employer is required to react immediately when receiving an internal complaint of harassment and doing two things. Mm-hmm. The first step is to acknowledge the receipts of the internal complaint from the employee, and then, second thing, to invite him or her to a confidential interview. To assess the situation this is the first emergency measure to be taken
0: so it, that is the the first step would be in this process is a confidential interview
3: yes confidential exactly
0: and would that be the same in germany and uh, the uk as a first step to do a then a thorough interview of the complaining employee yes what would be the approach during that interview. Any good practices that you'd recommend for a person who actually sits down and interviews the complaining employee in Germany?
1: Well, I think not to ask too many questions. Uh, ask little questions and let the complaining employee talk because most of the cases um, this is what they have missed in the past and they want to talk and I want to tell all the facts and sometimes when they are talking for a few minutes in a row there are coming many details that you get to know and you do not get to know that details when you're asking question after question. Also the first interview is not done by just one person because it's better when you're drafting afterwards, like a witness document. Uh, it's better when you have two people interviewing so that you can put all the information together.
0: Sophie, you said in France that the, that interview must be confidential. Yes. What is the parameters of that confidentiality? Does that mean that you could tell the employee, I'm not going to tell the harasser that you had spoken to me? So what is the scope of that confidentiality?
3: It's the first step before to assess the situation, if after the interview, you have some proof, some evidence that there is a misconduct or something, then you can release, disclose, and you will have to interview the presumed harasser. But on the first step, it's better to keep it uh, completely confidential and to react to what Julia said also. I I should say it's better maybe to be too person to interview from the firm, but not too much also, not to be too impressive and or to be seen as to make pressure on the employee who complains for an harassment. And maybe one more thing, as it, it is an informal process at the beginning, there is no right for the employee to be assisted by staff delegate or work council member because it's the preliminary meeting just to speak about the situation and to assess. The employer can say, okay, I am okay you to be assisted, but it's not an obligation. And he has never to accept that the employee be assisted by a lawyer, for example.
0: so this is before the formal process, and I think as Roel said in the UK, it's doing that initial assessment as to the seriousness of the complaint. And so if it turns out that it's not that serious, then no formal process might follow. Is that correct?
3: Yes, that's the tricky point, thing, what is serious or not serious. So maybe I should say in any case, it's better for the employer, as he has a, an obligation of safety, security for all the employees, to conduct an official interview, even if it's a very fast thing and very t- just to to prove that he uh, took the, the thing seriously, and either very closed the case because there is no serious proof, either there is a disciplinary procedure against. Uh,
0: so, so the fallback is even if it appears that it's not very serious still to conclude a formal process because of that general obligation of maintaining health and safety, right?
3: Yes, yes, exactly.
0: So let's just talk about who should conduct this interview. We were talking about it's recommended that it should be not a sole interviewer. Uh, In your jurisdictions, is there any prescription by law as to the composition of the investigatory group or the committee? Is there in in Germany any prescription?
1: No, there's no statutory rule.
0: And in the UK? Also no statutory rule, but we want to make sure
2: that it's someone who is both sufficiently senior to potentially make adverse findings against the person accused of harassment, and also sufficiently independent to um, have credibility in making
0: those findings. Would it be, particularly for US corporations who have a subsidiary in Europe, they sometimes might be if it is perceived that the complaint is quite serious, is to dispatch a senior executive from the U.S. to come and interview employees and conduct the investigation. Do any of you have some observations to share with that practice? Yeah, I mean, that's a practice that I've seen
2: uh, several of my clients follow, and it has uh, advantages and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. One of the advantages is that it's a very clear signal that the employer is taking this very seriously. And secondly, that someone independent is looking into it who can't be accused of being beholden to the accused. The disadvantage is that because through no fault of their own, the US investigator will not be familiar with local procedure, they tend to require much more assistance from either their local team or legal counsel in order to get through the investigation process in a compliant way.
0: And any other observations?
1: Uh, I agree with uh, Raúl for UK. And I think, yes, the employer can send someone from the US, but this person should be legally supported by someone who knows the legal situation in the country where the harassment happened. And I think it should be kept in mind that employees might feel more uncomfortable when being interviewed, not in their mother language. So... I think it's a case-to-case thing.
0: Let's just talk about the design of the investigation itself. So we have an employee who complained, the confidential initial interview is conducted, it's ascertained that this might be serious. We are now going to in the formal investigation phase. In terms of designing that investigation, what is the sequence of interviewing individuals? Do you seek electronic uh, evidence, video footage. What is the typical approach in Europe? Any good suggestions in Germany as to the structure? Then,
1: always start simple. Yeah, start simple without videotaping, without audio taping. Just a conversation because for the complaining employee, it's an uncomfortable situation, yeah? And it's an unusual situation. Most HR people and real people are used to situations like that, but normal employees are not. So I think you should keep it as simple as it's possible. And during the investigations, when you discover more and more facts and you get to know that maybe that could be a video proof of something, then you can think about that. But I would really keep it simple.
2: And in the UK? i agree with julia but one approach we often take in the uk is to ask the complainant if there are other sources of information or data or evidence that we should look into and that can be very helpful you want to do it carefully without putting the onus for designing the investigation on the person who's making a complaint but it can be effective in preventing later objections to the process you followed if you've gathered input from the complainant at the initial stage
0: now Uh, You suggested that a, a good practice should be to have more than one interviewer there, particularly in terms of formulating subsequently the witness statements. In other words, now getting to the documentation of the investigation. Is it a good practice in Europe to have the initial drafts of those interview notes reviewed by external counsel? I would say that the main purpose of the notes is to simply be
2: an accurate record of what was said and so while you might want your legal counsel to look at the notes so they can advise you on your potential liability, they're not likely to have much input into the content of those notes. One other point to consider is that the process of taking the notes, editing the notes and having them approved can be very time consuming. And what we see more and more is employers trying to outsource that obligation, for example, by engaging a third party transcription service and or recording the meetings. That can be very effective in ensuring the accuracy of the notes. But as Julia was saying, these are sensitive meetings and you don't want to make people less likely to be frank with you
0: if they feel like their every word is being recorded. Let's just talk for a moment about the reluctant witness. Somebody who has seen something, overheard something, but really is does not want to get involved. So if you interview uh, the complaining employee and he or she says, I think so-and-so was in hearing distance, heard this conversation, you interview that and the individual suffers from an amnesia and Could not recall. What are the practices you follow in Europe? How would an investigator deal with that situation? What's in Germany?
1: A witness may not be forced to testify according to German law as long as there are no criminal proceedings. And when it comes to criminal proceedings, only the court, only the judge can uh, force a witness to testify. But I think if there's a witness that you have the feeling that heard or saw something and you have the feeling that that person just does not want to testify because that person doesn't want to get involved in this whole process. Maybe this person should be informed about statutory regulations that force the employer to take actions when such situations arise and that they help pretty much the employer to go on. The employer should never tell the witness that everything that they will tell will be kept confidential because the employer can make sure that it will not be opened to uh, third parties. In legal proceedings, for example, if it comes to a termination of the employment relationship of the harassing uh, person, then the employer might be forced to um, open all the documents to the court and to the other party, and therefore they should not tell witnesses that everything is kept confidential. And there's nothing more that the employer can do at that stage.
0: Let's uh, talk about the harasser. So, formal investigation is ongoing. How do we deal with the harasser? At what point do you actually tell the harasser we have received a complaint? and that you allegedly engaged in unlawful harassing behavior. At what point in this process do you have that conversation? In France?
3: In France, the best way to, to interview the harasser the, the is the first thing you have to is presume. So, so you, you, uh, you, the employer has to keep in mind uh, this uh, very important principle um, and should not make any prejudice during the interview, being very careful. The interview should not be conducted as an examination. I mean this by putting too much pressure with too much people, too much interviewers. I I should say two people maximum should conduct the interview. And maybe uh, related questions about the testimony or the saying of the harassed employee or witness. Um, there is no obligation for the employer to communicate the return interview just to give the substance of it but not to give the paper. The employer has to protect both sides.
0: So pending the investigation comes in you've now identified who's the harasser. Is it a good practice to suspend the harasser pending the investigation? Are there any legal complications around that? Any special process to follow before you suspend the harasser in the UK? This is a difficult situation in the UK
2: because although lots of employment contracts will include a right to suspend and it will say that the suspension is not for disciplinary action, In practice, it never feels like a neutral act to the employee and it can be very difficult to know what to communicate to the broader team about why someone is away from work. The approach that we usually end up taking, therefore, is a more consensual one, trying to put boundaries in place, for instance, to prevent any contact between those people involved in the investigation and potentially inviting the employee to voluntarily stay away from the workplace rather than enforcing that. But there are no easy answers and sometimes it will be necessary to suspend in order to uphold your obligations towards the person who's made the complaint.
0: So when you interview, you get around to interviewing the harasser. Is that harasser employee entitled to representation at that interview, which is just a fact-finding interview at that time?
3: It depends. It depends. depends? Yes, it depends which kind of interview. If we are in the pre interview, the informal process, there is no obligation. But if you are in the formal process, I mean, the employer is taking a measure to sanction the harassment, the harasser is uh, entitled to be assisted by uh, someone from the firm or by a staff delegate or a work committee member.
0: So it'll be either co-employee or someone from one of the workplace structures. It, will that include legal representation? It, it, it,
3: it, no,
1: never, never,
3: never in
0: France. No, it's 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 forbidden. And in Germany, it's
1: different. In Germany, in Germany, we have the principle of equality of arms. So when it comes to a formal procedure, where usually the employer has legal advice, and most of the time, even the the attorneys of the employer are taking part in the interviews, it's best to give also the lead, Teresa, the opportunity to bring uh, an attorney with them or what most people do because it's cheaper, they bring a member of the works council with them. So they have somebody sitting next to them on their side during the interview. Um, So if the employer has legal support, they should also give the harasser the opportunity to bring legal advisors
0: During this interview of the harasser, do you just give the harasser the essential facts of the allegations, or do you actually disclose and show to the harasser the witness statement of the complaining employee?
1: You should never show the witness statements to the harasser, but you should give the harasser, according to German law and German case law, all the information, all the facts that you gain. You do not have to say, or you should not say who said what, because you have maybe the employee and other witnesses. But according to the case law in Germany, it is highly important that all facts are presented to the harasser, because the harasser has to have the chance to take position towards all allegations.
0: Uh, It's very similar in the UK as well. Uh, And during this interview, does the ERASA have the right to cross-examine any of the individuals interviewed as part of the investigation? And uh, I want to emphasize as part of the investigation because there might be a next step and that would be the disciplinary process. So during this investigation process, is there a right to cross-examination by the eraser, the accused employee?
1: Not really. there can be situations where the harasser may give questions to the employer that the employer should ask witnesses or potential witnesses. And the um, alleged harasser may name other witnesses that maybe have not been heard yet. But something like a cross-examination is not allowed or yeah, you're not forced to do that under German law.
0: Let's focus for the next few minutes on the outcome of the investigation. The production of a report. How comprehensive should it be? What should it contain? Should you start off in France?
3: Yes. In any case, it's really recommended to have a um, written report. Uh, as I said before, it's, it's very important. Furthermore, in case of potential litigation. The second thing on the drafting of the document, the employer should be careful and maybe review with his or counsel to ensure the general principle are respected, I mean confidentiality, impartiality, to report the the, the facts and to avoid any defamation. And communication, uh, an important point, communication between counsel and clients, if we assist to to reread the the interview, are protected against disclosure under the the attorney-client privilege. Another point, the investigation report should not include recommendation on the measure to be taken by the employer against the harasser, Because we are in anticipation of a potential disciplinary measure. So as we are before, it's not the moment to decide or to show that you have decided to to make a a sanction. So the report must uh, be only on the facts, not on the way to deal with the facts.
0: So I think that's an important aspect that you underscore, that those are really two distinct processes. It's an investigation. Exactly. To establish the facts. Yes. And if the facts show, and if it concludes there has been harassment, then there's a separate disciplinary process.
3: Yes, exactly, exactly.
0: So Julia, let's just talk about the attorney-client privilege in this process. Sophie said in France, it is if external counsel is involved, the drafting and the review, uh, the attorney-client privilege will attach. It's not subject to disclosure. Would that be the same in Germany?
1: Yes, it's the same in Germany.
0: And uh, do employers in Germany, as a normal course, involve the external counsel to review these reports?
1: Yes, they usually do. I have seen little investigations where the external advisor has been involved in the end. So normally, employers contact their external uh, attorneys in the very beginning of the investigations. So you're included from the very beginning.
0: So in conclusion, let's just talk about the investigations completed. There is a conclusion that there was harassment. What do you communicate, A, to the complaining employee and B, to the harasser? So in the UK, you will be looking at a disciplinary procedure for the
2: harasser that might end in a warning of some kind, either a first written warning or a final written warning, or of course in dismissal. For the person who complained of harassment, there's a fine line to walk between disclosing exactly what has happened in that disciplinary process and also giving them reassurance that the matter has been taken seriously and steps have been taken. I would also expect the employer to consider training either for those specifically involved in the incident or perhaps better for the workforce as a whole which feels less personal and is also a better preventative measure against future similar allegations. And in Germany?
1: I agree with what Raoul said for the UK. According to German statutory law, it's important to keep in mind that after the appropriate measures had been taken towards the harasser, the employee who was involved in the harassment has to be informed about the measures that have been taken. So has a right to be informed what the final decision was.
0: And Sophie, in, in France, anything additional to what uh, Julianne Houls told us? Yes,
1: because it's, it's, it's quite
3: the same, but maybe one point. There is no choice for the employer to take a measure against the harasser if it has been proved there was a, a case. And it's very precise because if it's sexual harassment is necessarily a gross misconduct. If it's moral harassment, it's up to the employer to choose the kind of uh, sanction of measure against but he has to take also something and maybe also the one thing regarding what uh, Raoul and Julia said is about the involving of the works council committee and the staff representation not to be too personal between the arraser and the employee harassed. The employee harassed has not a right to be disclosed for example the letter with the termination or with the over sanction against the harasser, but it can be a good um, way to to inform it's by giving an information to the staff delegate or council, who are informed and can inform the employee and at the same time they are bound by a confidentiality obligation so it, it's, it's a go between to be transparent and not to be very humiliating against the employee with the, the fault.
0: Well, thank you for all three for your participation today and and sharing these best practices. Thank you, Sophie, Julia, and Raul. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us on this podcast today. To learn more about Littler's international employment and labor law practice and more about the various cross-border topics, visit our website at www.littler.com.